Good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tom Wetherill, and as of this week, I've begun my role as assistant pastor here at Kennet Valley Free Church. You uh, voted me in as a church back in April, uh, which is, you know, back at the beginning of lockdown. So it feels like a year ago in and itself. So um, Caitlin and I, we are thrilled to finally be here. And I'm really glad to be bringing us God's word this morning. Today, uh, we begin one of the most incredible chapters in the whole Bible, Romans chapter 8. And we're going to take five Sundays to look at it. And I know that Graham would love to be here preaching it himself this morning. It is a wonderful passage, and I don't take it for granted. So before we read, let me uh, pray for Graham and for Kate and for the family. Father, we worship you because you are near to the brokenhearted. You care for our hurts, and you meet us in our loss. And we thank you that the cooks know this to be true, and we pray that they would know your comfort in fresh ways today. Lord, as they hear your word this morning, either here or for Lizzie in Little Paxton, Lord, may they hear your voice. And Lord, for all of us now, as we come to your word, speak, Father, into our lives, we pray. Amen. So do uh, turn in your Bibles or in your Bible apps to Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. And we'll read that together. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Back before the summer holidays, uh, you have looked at the first seven chapters of Romans. And our passage this morning begins with uh, therefore. And so all that we've just read makes sense in the light of the preceding verses in chapter 7, and as well as the whole case that Paul has been building throughout his letter. And this is the case that we can only be saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Paul began right back at the beginning by describing the human condition. He says that you and I, we were made to worship God. I, um, but instead, we have chosen to worship created things. And so it says that we have given ourselves over to futility, to foolishness, and to evil. Now, if I was to try and create uh, or think of a picture that maybe captures this for us, I would choose a crumbling and condemned building. Try and think of, for example, of the, the old pub uh, that sits on the Bath Road heading out of Calcot. I gave it a quick Google, uh, and apparently it used to be called Murdoch's um, at one point. You know, if you, if you know the building, you, you know that it's got tiles missing and broken windows, and it just sits in a state of complete disrepair, condemned. 
And for us in our sinful state, our glory has faded as a result of our sin and we are unable to return ourselves to the glory that God originally created us for. And this sign uh, hangs over us, which reads, condemned. Now, if we're honest, um, we don't like to think ourselves uh, in that way. But I think we can recognize it. For instance, even just when we're driving by a building that's in tatters, you know, it, it sticks out to us. It was obviously made for more. And, you know, surely it would just be now better if they just tore it down. And Paul says that for humanity... Without God's help, the same could be said of us. And it's interesting, in our current judgmental cancel culture, people are very quick to publicly condemn others. But in chapter 2 of Romans, Paul says that when you do that, you are only bringing condemnation on yourself because you do the same things. And so Paul makes this big conclusion that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. By our own strength, there is nothing we can do about it. And much like when we repeatedly drive by that pub on the Bath Road, you occasionally take notice of it, and, and yet, as you suspected, it is, there's no change. It's exactly the same in a state of disrepair. But Paul's mission is not to depress us, No, he wants his readers to know that God has acted to change things for us forever. To tear down the old and make way for the freedom of a new life. And so as he launches into chapter 8, we reach the climax of all of his reasoning, all the case that he's been building. And in one glorious chapter, we read about the freedom of this new life that Jesus has brought for us. It begins with this grand declaration that there is no condemnation and it ends with this idea of no separation from Jesus. But today we're just going to look at the first four verses. And so what is it that the first four verses have to show us? Well, Paul launches straight in declaring this unbelievable new reality. Therefore, there is now no condemnation For those who are in Christ Jesus. So verse 1, no longer condemned. Picture again this image of our lives, this crumbling building with the sign that, that once hung over our head that said condemned. This was more than a statement that just says that we're not fit for purpose. This idea of condemnation, it is a guilty sentence. And yet the confident cry of every Christian is that that sign has now been torn down and we have been made new. We are free from condemnation. It is the concrete foundation of everything else that's going to come in Romans 8 and it is the foundation of our lives as believers. We are forgiven. And it is, it is radical and it is scandalous. Frequently I've uh, been talking with Muslims on university campuses and they often haven't been quite able to believe that Christians can so confidently say that we know that we are forgiven. But even though it sounds audacious, it has is, it is not come out of nowhere because we know that there is a therefore You know, Paul hasn't simply just walked onto the stage of history and announced um, that by his own reckoning, yep, 
um, I'm not condemned, I'm going to take down that sign from above my life. But nor is he suggesting that we just bury our heads in the sand and just live as though we are fine, kind of removing the sign and then tucking it away in the back of a cupboard somewhere. No, he includes a therefore. He is building his argument, this great reality, on real events in history and on good, consistent reasoning so that we can say it with confidence. Let's quickly consider two key verses on which this therefore rests that come back in chapter 5 and chapter 6. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says that we have now been justified by his blood. And in chapter 6 verse 22 he says, you have been set free from sin. Through Jesus' work on the cross, we have been acquitted of all our charges and freed into a new life without sin. Paul is saying it has happened. Which is why it makes sense that he uses this little word now. You can see that in verse 1. It's such an important word. It signifies that because of this history-changing event, this new life is available now. A life free from condemnation and guilt. And Paul, later in in chapter 8, he is going to hammer this home by asking, who out there is going to condemn you? The highest court that there is, the court of the Lord Jesus, well, in that court, he is the one that has already shed his blood for you. No one can bring any charges against you. And so this morning, this is available to anyone who would put their trust in Jesus. And it is the reality of everyone who is already trusting him. So if you're a believer this morning, you can say with confidence that you are forgiven, that there is no condemnation. All charges against you have been settled. You are no longer condemned. He has made you new. Praise him in your hearts as you hear these words. This is wonderful news. This is a breath of fresh air. This is the great grace of our Lord Jesus. But if you're like me, then doubts can creep in about whether God has really done that for me. And so helpfully in verse 2, Paul now gives us evidence to reassure us. Verse 1, he said, you are no longer condemned. And verse 2, he is going to give us evidence to reassure us. So he begins, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Paul is giving us evidence about how that we can know that we are no longer condemned. So what is his evidence? What is he saying? He is saying you can know it because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Essentially, he is saying that you, the life of your build, the building of your life, you are under new management. You are under new management, verse 2. How do we get that from this sentence? Well, look with me at verse 2. Do you see that Paul is describing two different principles that have guided our lives? He calls them laws. And all of us have lived life governed 
by the reign of sin and death in us. And so as predictable as the laws of nature are, that, you know, that gravity will be working tomorrow, it is true that before we came a Christian, we would wake up fundamentally concerned for ourselves and not for God. But with Jesus, we are given the Holy Spirit and he is the one that now becomes the governing presence in our lives. We are under new management. And so that means that the old practices are out. You have died to those things. And what that means for you is that we can no longer make excuses for ourselves. You know, the ones that we often say, you know, it's just who I am. Or maybe I'm set in my ways. It's my nature. Why not just let me be myself? Well, because if you're a follower of Jesus, then there is one who lives inside you who is working towards better things. He wants to bring in your life new life and fruit of that new life. And that's because he is the spirit of life. It is his reign in your heart and mind and soul that is evidence to you that you are new and that you are no longer condemned. Now that sounds fantastic. I hope it sounds fantastic for you. But what does that look like? What what does that mean? Well, it means that, you know, in those moments when we hold back those angry words, we're seeing the new management at work. Or when we are being sacrificially generous with our our money and our belongings and our time and not being tight-fisted, that is the new management at work. When we choose to pray and rejoice rather than let ourselves be bogged down in worry, that is the new management at work. And in all of these victories over those familiar battles with sin, you are seeing him at work in you. When you see that, let your first thought be that this is evidence that you are his and that you are free from condemnation. Now, we might be discouraged because to an extent we see that the effects of the law of death in our bodies, don't we? We get sick, our bodies scar, as we get older things sag and we sigh as we get out of bed or out of a chair. But Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Okay, our bodies, they will decline. But the life and transformation that the Spirit brings has begun and will continue to work, growing in you. That is the trajectory of your life if you have become a Christian and the Spirit lives in you. This is the new management at work. And as we take a glimpse of what he has done in our life recently or over many years, this is evidence that he has made you new And that you are no longer condemned. Evidence. What about for us, uh, those of us who are who are more aware of our sin than the Spirit's activity? How can I know that I genuinely am freed from sin and forgiven? My eyes—they just constantly go back to 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 the sin. I'm so aware of my sin, and I focus so little on what the Spirit does. How can I know that I am freed from sin and forgiven? 
Well, my first answer is, don't belittle the evidence that is there. Ask a Christian friend to point out to you where you have changed. Look for it in your life, because if he is in you, there will be evidence. But secondly, Paul has got your back. He knows. He knows this struggle. And his very next words in verse 3 are there to give you confidence. So we've had evidence, and now we're going to come into confidence. Let's read verse 3 and see where we can find that confidence for our lives. Verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, I believe there are two parts here about how we can be confident. Can you see them? Can you look at the verse, hopefully, that's in front of you? Can you see these two parts to our confidence? He is saying, don't put your confidence in keeping uh, to the rules and regulations. Put them in the one who has built you a new life. Two parts to this confidence. Let's look at the first one. He makes it absolutely clear that we cannot put our confidence in ourselves to keep the law and not sin. We've never been able to do it. I I find it uh, quite funny how uh, in lots of shops at the moment, uh, you can see lots of clothing uh, that has the words, be kind on it. Um, Even baby grows, we've seen that just kind of say, be kind, being taught by the youth, I guess. And, you know, I wonder, is it, you know, that there's a, a, because a fashion designer somewhere has decided, actually, you know, this is something we need to be reminded of. And so we look at somebody's T-shirt and go, oh, yeah, kindness. I've forgotten about that old chestnut. I've remembered. Now, now we can go and be kind again. Now, it's not a bad thing. I'm, I'm all for kindness. Uh, the world could use a lot more of it. But the problem that humanity has always faced is that even though the rules are good, we fundamentally are not. And so religion, whether it comes from the scriptures or from a t-shirt, will never save us. And this is what Paul means here with this language when he says that the law was powerless. It's because by ourselves, we are too weak to keep it. If we're going to put it in terms of kind of this uh, condemned building idea, this building of our life, then we can't put our confidence in, in the building regs. You know, just knowing them doesn't guarantee a good build. It depends on us. And I know that if we read them, if we do actually read them, then we just want to find maybe the minimum requirements or to identify the bits that we can skip over, maybe save a bit of money. Those are the unimportant bits. And chapter 7 revealed something like this to us. Without God, all that the regulations do is to certify that we stand condemned. Guilty. We cannot put our confidence in our own ability to follow the rules in order to be guiltless before God. Paul, he quickly takes this option away from us because he knows that it will never be enough. So where does that leave us? Who else is going to do anything to help this weak individual? Let's read. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. 
Just think of that for a moment. Think about this awesome reality that that those two words should come together here. God, he who made the universe perfect in holiness and awesome in immeasurable power, the one that we have spent our whole lives rejecting. And the word did. Yes, God is able to do it. But he has actually done it. God did. He has saved us. This should drive us to our knees in humility. You and I, we are utterly helpless without God in our old lives and we only deserved his condemnation. And he has chosen to rescue you. God the builder of our new life. He is our confidence. We read, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Paul Paul says it this way. We don't normally talk this way. Paul says it this way to emphasize that Jesus was absolutely one of us but he was also absolutely without sin. Jesus became one of us in order that he, the sinless one, could stand in our place and take on the burden of our sin that we could never carry. He came so that in that place and in that time on the cross, Jesus could receive that punishing blow that was rightly ours. Condemned. That was our sentence to bear. And it has been taken fully by him. Jesus has taken your con- con- uh, dem- Jesus has been condemned on your behalf. He has taken your sign as his own. And no one, not even you, can put it back up above your head. Which, if we're honest, we are tempted to do when we think of our old life and those habits that we are, we find it dreadfully hard to let go of. But yet we can turn our hearts to consider the cross. See him there with your sign hanging above his head. He has done it for you. And so do whatever it takes to believe it deep in your heart. Read about it, pray about it, talk about it, sing and dance about it. There's a a hymn that says, Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Rejoice this morning with complete confidence that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we come to communion in a few minutes, if you know that you are frequently putting that condemned sign back over your head, you're going back to the law, back to, to the rules to make yourself worthy of God, repent of that. We are unable. And God has done it because he loves you. He has made you free. 
And if you're with us today and you're not yet a believer, but you know that there are areas of your life that are in ruin, no matter how well you dress them up or cover them over, maybe God is opening your eyes today to the reality that you are living for yourself instead of living for him and that maybe that is the source of the mess in your life. Well, what have you heard? You've heard that now, without God, you cannot put it right by yourself, but now with God, there is no condemnation. He has done everything possible to give you a new life. And as we have communion together, why not take the opportunity to to admit that to him, that you need his help and that you need his forgiveness? Come and enjoy this freedom and tell someone about it. There is one final thing that we, that we cannot miss. In one sense, this is what Paul has been building towards. He starts his last point in verse 4 with these words, in order to. And as we read these words, we realise that God has a purpose for all of this. God has, has done all of this in your life for a reason. So he finishes with these words, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but live according to the spirit. Now that's a lot of kind of Christian words in there. What, what's he talking about? Well, with this final sentence, Paul, he wants to, to shake away the cobwebs of your faith and say, think of the possibilities. Verse 4 is about thinking of the possibilities. You have got a new, a new building, free from condemnation. You are under new management and you have a rock-solid confidence in what he has done for you. So now think about what, what could God do in your life? And Paul has something particular in mind. Let's see what it is. You see, he uses this phrase that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Now, stay with me for a moment. That might sound a bit too kind of jargony, but let's work it through because this unravels lots of what the Christian life is about. So let's first think, as we read this, let's not make two possible mistakes. The first is this, that we could read this and think, okay, Jesus has given us his righteousness. End of story. Now we can just sit back, have a cup of tea and wait for the second coming. That's that's grand. No, let's not make that mistake. And let's not make the second mistake that's kind of on the flip side that says, okay, God has given us a clean slate But now with the Holy Spirit, we have now got a new set of tick boxes to to make our way through in order that he stays pleased with us. Because actually that's that's too much of a burden on what we call our sanctification. That's not what's what's going on here. I believe what Paul is saying is actually so much better than either of those two things. So he says, yes, you have been justified. You are right with God. But rather than sitting back and having a cup of tea... He has now put his spirit within you so that you can at last live out the God-glorifying life that he has made you to enjoy. It's now possible. Think of the possibilities. And I think this is amazingly liberating for two reasons. Number one, because, because you are free from condemnation, you have the freedom to fail. Because you are free from condemnation, you have the freedom to fail. We as believers, we are being transformed. 
But with every wrong turn that we make, every bad decision, every bit of wandering away from God, we can turn and look at the one who has already paid our debt and who is eager to embrace us with his grace. We have the freedom to fail. And secondly, you are free to succeed because it's not down to your strength, but on your dependence on the Holy Spirit as we seek him, as he guides us and as he enables us to change. We are actually free to finally break through those old patterns of sin and succeed and change. Friends, this is the liberating and exciting life that is already yours if you are a believer in Jesus. And so our application this morning, get stuck in. Get stuck in. Ask for more of his spirit in your life. That you would see the evidence that you are no longer condemned. And that you would be confident that he has come and given his life for you. I love that in the ESV it describes this as a walk. It is a daily journey where each step is another opportunity to walk with the Holy Spirit. And as we grow in our confidence, in our freedom from condemnation and in the Spirit, the quicker we are to to turn to Jesus and his grace and his Spirit. And with that, we can keep enjoying our new life with him. So as you drive down Bath Road and as you see that old pub um, stood in its ruins and condemned, remember that is your old life. If you're trusting in Jesus, you are now free from condemnation and made new and his spirit lives within you. Think of the possibilities. Let's worship and pray together before we come to communion. Lord God, this is amazing. You have done this for us and we can say that it is true. Lord, let it not just be in our heads, but in our hearts. God, we worship you. We thank you for your love and for your grace. Lord, let us walk with you with confidence. And would you bring new life in us, we pray. Amen.